You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now, here's your host, Brian Matiash, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 20. We have Vision Tuppled. Vision Tuppled. Vigin Tuppled. Vision Tuppled, our episode output. You really need to practice this from now on. Three seconds before we go live. Not the time. I don't know if it's a hard G or soft G. So I gave you both. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Anyhow, I, th- I, I feel like there's someone else in the room. Who could it possibly be? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I keep calling the, the exterminators and trying to get the doors shut, but these, these vermin keep coming in. But we have um, actually a, a fantastic photographer and uh, social media, I would say, pioneer in photography with what he's been able to do. He's also one of my closest friends, uh, just to put it out there. But uh, Colby Brown, say hi. Hello, guys. Hello, gentlemen. Long time listener. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> a long time first time. <laughs> Uh, um, Colby, why don't you just start off by telling everyone uh, a little bit about yourself and, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm a landscape travel and humanitarian photographer. I've been doing this for about 12 years. I've worked for companies like National Geographic as a photo instructor. I own a couple of my own companies these days, uh, that focus on photo education as well as creating marketing campaigns using social media. And uh, as Brian, as you know, um, I'm also the founder of The Giving Lens, which is a humanitarian uh, focused photography entity organization that blends the idea of photo education with support for sustainable development initiatives in developing countries around the world. So Brian's helped uh, helped me out and led a few of our trips around the world where we take teams of photographers to different places to partner with NGOs and help champion different causes such as youth education, clean drinking water projects, uh, species preservation, all sorts of cool stuff around the world. Yeah. Um, and my, my wife, Nicole, also was an instructor on several. Absolutely. I was, uh, I guess, an attendee on the maiden kind of voyage to Cuba in January of two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're trying to get you guys back. We'll, we'll, fi- we'll find some holes. We'll find some places for you guys. To Let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. Somewhere where we don't have some sort of uh, extradition issues. <laughs> <laughs> that's, only if we, that's only if we bring if we bring Sharky along. That's what we have to worry about. <laughs> I'm all for finding a hole and putting Brian in it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sharky. Do you see everyone audience what I have to deal with? Um, we also should mention that Colby is a Sony artisan as well. I should. How yeah. can we leave that out? Someone, Come on, we got to get the sponsorship in there. Absolutely. He's also a fellow G team member with me with G Technology. Absolutely. Well, I think, I mean, today we're talking uh, about some really fun stuff, but a lot of it wraps around a lot of my involvement with companies and entities. So G Technology and Sony. I've also done big projects and campaigns and ambassador programs for many different companies out there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's. It's a lot of cool times. It's, it's a good time to be a photographer these days. If you were a NASCAR car, you would have a whole lot of stickers on you is what you're saying. This is true. Hopefully, you know, well, I'm bald, so I, I got extra surface area. <laughs> so it actually works out quite well. You are my own personal reflector. <laughs> it saves me. It saves me weight when I'm traveling. You know what I mean? Like you just angle my head at the right angle of the sun. I can light up any subject. We're good. <laughs> and then I stand on the other side and I'd give the fill light with my head. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I and you can't the audience can't see this, but I'm wearing my black baseball hat. So I am the subtractive lighting. <laughs> right. You're yeah, you're the you're the flag. Dean Collins, if he were still alive today, rest in peace, would appreciate that joke. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So Sharky, do you want to know what's going on with this episode? Typically that's what uh what we do right about now, right? I don't care what we're just let's just wing it. Let's just make stuff up. No, tell me what the what's in this episode. So 
So typically what we like to do, Sharky, is pair the topics with guests. And so, uh, you know, it's no coincidence that we have Colby here as a guest because the first topic, as of recording, we're four days into 2018. Everyone's got their resolutions that they're starting to enact and hopefully grow. So I thought it'd be really fun for us to have Colby on. We'll start off by talking about some of the, I guess, faux pas or things that photographers have been doing that probably should be reevaluated. But more importantly, you know, especially with Colby, let's talk about uh, what photographers should consider doing, what what he's seen as successful in terms of growing, you know, your social media brand, as it were, as a photographer. So it isn't so much about improving your photography, but it's what you, the next logical step for a lot of people out there is how do you kind of make your star uh, brighter and higher in the sky? Yeah, absolutely. And faux pas. Faux pas is the only French we are going to drop in this episode. That's right. The, the rest from here on out, all English. I don't know. I got some hidden words filtered throughout <laughs> the rest of this uh, this, this talk. Um, we'll uh, go ahead, Colby. No, I was just going to say, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that I think social media, well, well, I guess let's backtrack. I think a lot of photographers look at things such as social media um, with a kind of negative approach. Like they're either they don't know what to do with it or they don't know where there's value. A lot of photographers have this over romanticized notion that they just want to take pretty pictures and get paid and have, you know, companies or entities or even just people come up to them and want to buy their prints or license their images. And that just doesn't happen in reality, especially anymore. There's too many people online. There's too many people, too many photographers out there. And so social media is a viable tool. And I use the word tool purposefully, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. um, because just like any other tool we have at our disposal as photographers, it's and its value is predicated on how you use it. So for example, if you have the top end latest Sony or Canon or Nikon camera, it's only as valuable to you as you know how to leverage it. And the same thing happens with social media. So finding ways to leverage um, leverage social media can really help expand your brand and get your name in front of more people and potentially you know sell products or services or work with other brands as an ambassador. There's all sorts of ways that you can leverage those leverage things such as social media. And so in terms of a long-winded answer to your question of like, what do I recommend? There's a handful of certain tips and tricks that I recommend that people abide by to some extent. And we've talked about this a little bit, Brian, over the years uh, that we've kind of had these discussions. One, uh, the first and foremost is certainly consistency. Consistency is rewarded across the spectrum. And this is not just with your audience. So what I mean by this is if you're posting every single Wednesday or every, say every day at noon, your audience expects that. And there's that's one side of it, your audience expectations. But at the same time, the algorithms for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of them actually reward that same consistency because they know that your audience wants to see it. So you're fighting not just the your, your the attention span of your followers, you're also fighting for uh, or fighting against the algorithms so that your content can be shared uh, and, and be visible whenever you post it out there. So it's those two things. The consistency is key. Certainly you need to produce good content. Um, I can't stress this enough. I know a lot of photographers that are sharing stuff that they're trying to get, uh, you know, sharing good good stuff that uh, for where they're at in their career or their trajectory or their path, but they might not necessarily be there creating exceptional content. Uh, and so it takes a while to kind of work into having not only having a portfolio that's wide enough to maintain the consistency, but also high enough quality so that you're attracting the right type of people for your followers, which is an important element. Yeah. And and so I want to actually backtrack to the first component, which is, so I've known Colby for a long time and uh, through various, uh, you know, I, when I was at Google and I was at Wacom and also just as a self-employed photographer, you know, we've had a lot of conversations. One of the things I always stuck in my head is this concept of 
leveraging or how well you can leverage. And so that's Colby mentioned this. And, and so I feel like a lot of photographers have this um, and it's part of obviously it's ego driven. It's it's kind of like, you know, um, tying your worth to a follower account, for example. And you get these photographers who have all these followers, let's just say, but then that's like, I would say a quarter of the battle, right, Cole? Because the, the really, the, the, again, if we're talking about in the vein of making a career out of this, it's how you leverage it. Like, how do you translate this large follower account, for example? We're not even talking about how to get that large follower account. Let's just say, like you said, you need to be able to take really strong photos, share them consistently, totally get that. Right. Once you have that, I agree with you. And and I throw myself in that boat first. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because I can speak from experiences, whether or not I properly translate any form of online, I guess, notoriety or success into a business where I can do something with it. Yeah, it's I mean, I think it's a challenging aspect. I mean, again, I, I want to come back to the analogy just to kind of hit this idea home. You can go out and buy, you know, a Sony A7R Mark III, mentioning because I'm a Sony artisan, flagship Sony camera. But if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't really have value. And the same thing happens with followers. Even if you get fortunate and you get some momentum and you get a ton of followers, if you don't know how to use that camera, you're not going to take great pictures. If you don't know how to leverage your following, you're not going to get any value out of it. And so it's pretty standard or, or a, a response I see from a lot of photographers that are struggling with this is that they look at social media with that negative tone where they're, they, they don't understand where that value is because they haven't been able to, to figure out how to leverage the tool, how to, how to maximize the use out of it. So for example, if I have, you know, right now I have between all the different platforms, including Google Plus, which isn't as valuable anymore, but I have like 3.6 or 3.7 million people that follow me. That by itself means absolutely nothing. So the amount of followers I have means absolutely nothing. The amount of interaction rates by themselves mean absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, maybe you can get some sales here or there, but overall it doesn't mean a ton. However, if I can find people that value those metrics or those engagements or those follower numbers, then all of a sudden social media does have value to me. So no, talk about what does that mean? What do you mean when you say the people who value that? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So, uh, well, a couple different ways. Um, so let's say that I'm a photographer that like you, I, you know, sell presets or video tutorials or eBooks or whatever it is. So Having a large following by itself doesn't mean anything. If I can learn to creatively leverage that following in order to promote those ideas or those ebooks, then all of a sudden that value increases for those social following because it becomes a marketing audience. Uh, let's also say that I have a large following and I want to start working with other companies and work on big marketing campaigns and whatnot. In this day and age, a lot of companies aren't really just hiring photographers or cinematographers or people to do to to create content. They want people that can create awesome content, but that can also market it from their own own marketing arm. So I can leverage my follower numbers on like right now, my Instagram stories are are getting, I think like 15, 16,000 views per story. And I can take that number and then say, hey, Garmin or Sony or Microsoft or Iceland Tourism Board, whoever it is, this is what I can do for you. Let's work on some projects together. And that again, I'm finding someone that ha that sees value in those numbers. Uh, but I think a lot of people struggle with that. And so, like I said, it, it, it comes back down to, I feel so many photographers on the internet feel like they're wandering around aimlessly in like this desert sea of the interwebs. And they don't necessarily have a direction. They don't necessarily have an idea of really what they want. And they're frustrated because of that. And I get it, but they don't necessarily have a plan. And again, coming back to what I said initially, 
I feel that a lot of people just, I, I remember one of your episodes you guys talked about before about entitlement. And I, I feel that a lot of photographers feel that they deserve success or deserve for people to like their images or for companies to come to them, whether they have a large or small following, rather than them being more proactive and actually going after and getting it. Ryan and I talk about numbers all the time. I'm obsessed with numbers. I quantify everything. It can't be, and you know, one of uh, Brian's terms, empty calories. It, they can't be empty calories. And it sounds bad when you think about it. It's like, okay, what do I, you know, you don't want to see people as numbers, but here's the thing. It's about, you know, people, their time is short, right? So if someone's going through their Instagram feed, you want them obviously to see a photo that they're going to stop on and then hopefully comment and like it and stuff because that, and that changes, you know, that works into the algorithm, etc. A lot of people, they just mindlessly just put stuff up. They don't have a plan. You guys have a more focused vision than I do because your business models are different. You're out there creating content and you know you're getting people to go to your blog posts etc etc whereas i have a photography podcast the petapixel photography <laughs> podcast took a while to get that in there but that was that was just so organic just then right there <laughs> we, we just felt it it was great but uh, you know mine's different it's more you know scattershot i'm featuring different photographers i'm posting about things i'm doing my stories are crazy i'm doing a bunch of polls etc and i get a lot of people that follow my instagram stories more than they do my actual posts. So a lot of photographers just need to sit down. Sometimes it just it's so basic. Just sit down and think, what do I want to do? Yeah. What is the plan? Most people, like you said, do I'd say 99% don't have a plan. Having a plan, even if it's a bad one, is still a direction. Absolutely. Take a direction and go in it, right? Well, I think that people should, you know, I mean, I don't want to necessarily turn this directly into a business conversation, but using some terminology from businesses, you know, gets, you know, between standard operating procedures, SOPs, as well as actually creating like a business plan, even if you're maybe doing this for a hobby, but tying it into social media and just writing out like, what are your goals? What do you want to get to? What do you want to be? Where do you want to be in five years or, or maybe not five years in social media, but maybe more like six months and then try to work backwards. But I think you're right. I think most people don't have a plan. They don't necessarily have an idea. And I wanted to quickly touch on something that you mentioned there, Sharky, because I think it's important is that when I'm talking about these social media numbers, yes, we're talking about abstract uh, number counts. We're talking about like, I can get 7,000 interactions per Instagram post and 15,000 views on my Instagram stories. And those are very um, non-personal numbers. However, I personally personally find that the growth, the, the, the best growth when it comes to social media is, I don't want to necessarily say organic growth, but organic engagement. And the engagement, what I mean by that is that you're taking the time to actually engage back with people that follow you. Like I'm a huge... Uh, I, I'm a, a person that does not believe in the whole buffer app and all those things that are like scheduling all your posts, because that means that you're scheduling stuff and you're not actually there to interact with your followers. If you see me I on Instagram now, for example, because it's the hot platform, I will post on Instagram generally the same day, uh, the same time every day around noon. I'll then stick around for a good 20, 30 minutes at a minimum and respond to all the comments coming in and the engagements. And then the same thing with my Instagram stories. This takes time and it's something that I'm willing to invest in, but that furthers not only the relationships that I'm developing with individuals to that want to follow more, that want to ask me questions, that want to engage. But as you mentioned, all of those engagements are also helping my algorithm numbers. So I'm sitting there and I'm defeating the algorithm at the same time as I'm building foundational relationships. Where to this day, I still get tons of people that are like, I can't believe you responded. And I'm like, why would you not? And even though I have to respond to 200 quick comments and I can't say a ton, but I'm interacting a little bit, it goes a long way. So I, I really think social media in terms of growing it and cultivating that following really comes down to personal connections, even though we're doing it in a digital space. 
So I like what you said, because like, you know, I, I do want to start talking about, you know, actually giving people things to consider, you know, the listeners like action items. And I, so like I am, I'm glad you brought this up. I am a buffer user. I've been a buffer user for about 18 months now. But I like what you see, there are different schools of thought here, depending on who you talk to in terms of how you use your time. And Buffer is one of those things where they're like, well, you know, here you can sit down and, you know, once a week, once a month, just get all of your content shared. And so in that respect, it's the, the way I see it is that's simply it's like a one way street social media content usage in terms of I just keep, uh, you know, you use Buffer to, to get your photos queued up for Instagram once a day, twice a day, you get your Twitter uh, messages all those things. And then they go out and that checks off one thing, which is the bare minimum. I'd say that's the bare minimum, meaning you have to put stuff out there. You don't put stuff out there. But what I like, I I like what you're saying in terms of by doing it organically. One, I think that does actually help. Like if Facebook sees that you created a post on facebook.com, at the time you you go to the little post box and you attach your stuff, you know, if it's a video, you upload it right there, as opposed to just where it says, you know, uh, the post is there, but it says posted from Buffer, or posted from, you know, co-schedule. So I do think there's merit there, but I also agree with you. You know, this of course is a massive YMMV, your mileage may vary because Brian doesn't have the engagement, the, the, the speed of engagement as Colby does, or, you know, uh, Sharky might not have the same engagement, like meaning you put something out there, odds are Colby, you'll have start getting comments within a few minutes, whereas other people might not. So there's always this kind of pulley system the way that I see it. For sure. Uh, in term- Well, I, I mean, I think just, just to quickly stop you, I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, I think if you're getting tons of engagement right away, like Instagram, I post on there and literally within three seconds, I already have like, you know, 50 comments. Like it just, it's, it's ridiculous how quick it goes. And Instagram in general has a much more superficial experience than you do to Facebook or even Twitter right. at times. So each platform is different. But I don't think necessarily people like the negativity to me from something like Buffer is not necessarily just that it gets scheduled. I think that's actually can be beneficial. And obviously, as for someone like you guys and myself, like we're very busy, we got things going on, we have families, there's value in that. But it becomes or can become for a lot of photographers a crutch to not return to your post, whether it's instantly or whether it's 30 minutes down the line or a couple hours. Those interactions are important and valuable. And in the digital age, like right now, we're 7, 18, 2018, we're 18 years into what I consider, uh, you know, the age of the internet. And we're on that that third part, that third wave of the internet, where the first wave was kind of the dot-com boom. Then we have dynamic content, which is like video stuff and YouTube and Vimeo. And now we're in the social age. And in the social age, really what things are coming back to, in my personal opinion and professional, is that they're coming back to this idea of forming relationships, of making actual connections. Whether we're online complaining about UPS failing a delivery and we're, you know, hashtagging out UPS fail or we're jumping in there and a photographer is reaching out to someone they aspire to and wants to ask them what camera they should use. Like we're all seeking this idea of relationship building and it's we're coming full circle with this with the digital age because the last two generations have been separate from it. And so I think that those people that aren't cultivating that, the people that aren't embracing those 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 changes are not only going to be left behind from their followers eventually, but also the algorithms are ditching you already if you aren't actually going back and making time to engage, even if it's a short amount of time, with those that are taking the time out of their lives to engage with you. 
This is some really great stuff, Colby. You, you know, I'm happy we have you on because you're an expert in this. You have a ton of followers. And more importantly, because it's not about the numbers, you know how to get the most out of that. So I want to go a little bit deeper. I think we should go deeper on this. But first, we have our very first sponsor on this podcast, which is great. And it's the Gulf Photo Plus Photo Week 2018, which is coming up this February. So as this episode drops here soon, and well, you guys are listening to it right now, so it is already dropped. You've got just a matter of weeks to to save 15% on this awesome event. So go ahead and listen to our sponsor really quick. We'll be back and we have so much more here with Colby. Remember last year when one of the participants offered me his coveted spot at the Gulf Photo Plus shootout last minute, but I didn't have a passport. Well, I'm not able to make it out there this year, unfortunately, but there's still time for you to go and save 15%. It is absolutely freezing here in the US, but it's oh so warm in Dubai right now. So here's your chance to warm up and learn from the likes of Sony artisan Brian Smith, the amazing Zach Arias, Hugh Kretschmer, Nick Fancher, Maggie Steber, Sarah Lando, Kevin Mullins, RC Conception, and so many others in an area that's so much more than beautiful skyscrapers and other architectural marvels, not to mention an incredible desert to shoot in. You know, you hear me say so often here on the show that taking a workshop can help you take your photography to a whole new level, way more than any piece of gear would. And attending GPP Photo Week would certainly get that done. In addition to the amazing workshops, there'll also be talks and panels, seminars, exhibitions, portfolio reviews, photo walks, and of course, the now famous GPP shootout, where three photographers compete on stage and the audience decides who wins. Since 2004, Photo Week has sought to inspire, challenge, and connect photographers from around the globe as you learn about other cultures and take in a week of amazing, life-changing experiences designed to help you grow as a photographer. Some big-name camera manufacturers sponsor this event. There's going to be so much gear to look at and play with, and you'll have a great time. Now, surprisingly, flights to and from Dubai in February are actually quite reasonable. So for the price of a nice lens, you can book your flights, hotel, take these workshops with some of the best photographers in the world, and you'll make lifelong friends as you experience the gorgeous city of Dubai. I'm jealous because I'm going to be freezing here in Boise, Idaho, while a number of you are out in Dubai learning from some of the best out there. So do me a favor and head on over to golfphotoplus.com and see what this great event is all about. And if you decide to go, use the offer code NONAMEDUBAI and save 15% right now. That's N-O-N-A-M-E-D-U-B-A-I and save. Cool. Our first sponsor. And uh, with that, we still got Colby Brown. Colby, say hi. Hello, guys. And welcome back. Yeah. And uh, we've been kind of touching on uh, social media kind of strategies and things that photographers need to consider now that we're in this fresh year and you know everyone wants to, I think, stake a claim. And, and I do believe that, and Colby, I know we've talked about this. I think a lot of photographers, they see, okay, let's just look at a pie. I believe that a lot of photographers get intimidated or, you know, I don't know what it is. They, they think, oh, well, you know, most of that pie is already gone. But in actuality, in reality, that pie is so massive and there's so many opportunities. If anything, the way that I see it is it's not that the pie is gone. It's simply that it's on you. It's a responsibility of the photographer to figure out their individual niche or brand. Basically, yes, if I just kind of try to approach my strategy, like I'm going to do exactly what Colby does, that's probably not going to go well. Rather, what what you need to do is look at yourself, look at your strengths, look at what you bring to to the table and really I, I would say focus on that and be consistent about it. 
Absolutely. Well, I, th- I think being like your branding, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like figuring out what not only when and how to post, but what do you want to post about? And I know we've talked about this quite a bit lately. Many times. You know, that idea of making sure that your stuff is somewhat on brand is important. This is what's great about this. It's not about divvying up the pie. It's about making your own damn pie. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. It's completely it's that's exactly what it is, because if you think about it as divvying up a pie, you will just just don't even try. And it rhymes. <laughs> right. There's just so many people out there. You have to make your own pie. Not to make this about me. But we've been we've been hearing about Colby talk about himself all this whole time. Here. No. Um when I created my podcast, I created a podcast that no one had ever done in the photography space before because that was me. Yep. You have to do your own thing. You have to do you. If I tried to be Martin Bailey, if I tried to be Frederick Van Johnson or whatever, I would do a poor job of being them, but I can do a great job of being me. So you have to make your own pie. And here's what I want to know. I don't know if we'll touch on this now or just something to think about going forward in this last segment here is what is your relevance? And this is going to sound terrible. What is your relevance as a photographer if you don't have a decent sized engaged following, whether you shoot portraits and senior photos as a business, or you're just out there shooting landscape photos, and you've taken the time to put your photos on Instagram, what are you looking to get out of it? Like, what is your, if you have 80 followers, does it matter? What you know, what I'm saying, yeah. Well, I think I think that comes down to again what you talked about a, a you know a couple fifteen minutes ago or so, which is you know having a plan and having you know a, a purpose, so to speak. I think it's important to note, even though we're in the digital age, that having a social media following is not a prerequisite for success in this industry. I think there are a lot of photographers that have small to even you know maybe mildly decent following that have business structures that don't that aren't predicated on the idea of social engagement. So I think that's important to note. I think it's not the only pathway. I simply propose that for a lot of photographers in this day and age, there are exponentially more opportunities in this digital space to find or extract value out of things such as social media. And coming back to follower numbers, I think that's also a really important subject to talk about. Well, follower numbers and engagement. I feel that a lot of photographers look at people like myself or Chris Picard or Andrew Studer or a lot of other people out there that have these really high engagement rates and they feel disappointed or dejected or or they don't think it's possible to get to this place. First, I want to say that it is possible. It's not, um, you can't take the same pathway because as you said, everyone's different. Everyone has a different brand and things change. When I built my business in 2006 is different than it is in 2018. But I think also that from all the brands and companies that I work with and talk to, not not everyone wants to or has the budget to work with people that have the large following because we essentially can charge more because we have a much higher engaged audience, which has value to these companies. So even if you have a small a small following or you're still growing, there still can be value out of that, that you can still find local communities or local companies or you know uh, local destinations if you want to get into travel, like whatever it is, there can be value. You just need to figure out that the key to marketing, regardless if we're talking about using Using social media or not is finding someone that values your product or service. So if you're selling prints, the value of that I can sell a print is predicated on 
the amount someone is willing to pay for it. It's not necessarily just what some abstract number that I put on it. So if we bring that analogy back to social media, if you have 15,000 followers and I have 3.6 million, yes, I might be getting bigger jobs that, that pay larger, but you can still find companies that want to work with you. And right now, from my experience, and maybe Brian, you can chime in on this because of your the, the corporate connections, but a lot of companies I see are working with people that are kind of more in the, the middle to the lower end because there are much more people there and they're more willing to work for reasonable prices. So, you know, people that are in like the 10,000 to maybe like 60 to 70,000 is like the meat of where you can really extrapolate a lot of value out rather than constantly shooting for the stars and be like, why can't I be like Chris Picard with 1.5 million followers on Instagram and 80,000 interactions per post? Like that's probably not going to happen or at least not going to happen for a while, but you can still find things from it. Absolutely. And so you're right from a corporate perspective for the past, probably I'd say 12 months or so, the what's been on the rise is what's called the micro influencer. Mm -hmm. And that's typically the 10,000 to 100,000 follower range. And without getting too kind of, you know, by the numbers, there are several reasons why a lot of companies are interested in that. First, uh, maybe they want to create their own army. Someone like, you know, Colby or, or Chris Burkhardt or Jimmy Chin, these people are, are already, I mean, they are their own, you know, they have their own uh, gravities, their own orbits. And a company might not want to spend or work, you know, that or just the fact that they are already kind of a, a common name. So they want to look for people who are, I guess, hungrier is the word, like someone who might work for less money. Um, then that's not don't think that that is that's not a knock at all. You know, you always have to start somewhere uh, and a little bit of money is better than no money. So there's that. There's also, um, in terms of hungriness, a lot of times, and this I can speak from very personal experience working at some of these uh, larger companies that where I work directly with building the ambassador programs is the larger the name, sometimes the harder it is to actually get anything going with them. Like, you know, that usually comes with a lot of, uh, you know, they have their own brand manager or their own marketing people and they're, you know, this and that. And just like, you know what, it's just not worth it. So in a way, what I want to kind of build on with what Colby was saying is, and also uh, I love the analogy Sharky with make, you know, bake your own pie. I never actually heard that. I think it's perfect here. And what I mean by that is this. All right. So how I got the bulk of my newsletter subscribers, it was this massive, it was totally unintentional or I didn't expect it. I was moving to Sony from Canon and I wrote this ebook that I was just doing no matter what. I had not spoken to Sony or anything, but I created this ebook called Moving to Mirrorless and I gave it away for free. And it got on Sony's radar and they helped promote it because it's, I already created the content. I created the content partly as a uh, an olive branch to Sony, meaning I wanted to develop a relationship with them. So I created content on my own and I shared it. There are so many companies out there. There's like Photo Pills, there's Visco, there's uh, Polar, there, I mean, there's On One, there's going to be, you know, Nick for DXO, there's Luminar. There's nothing stopping you from creating, obviously you want it to be strong content, don't create crappy content. You want to put good content out there and then just send a message, you know, at mentioned the company. Uh, one of the things that Colby and I talk about a lot is uh, leveraging LinkedIn more effectively. I think LinkedIn is is such an underutilized kind of uh, uh, platform that is it's kind of like a diamond in the rough for photographers, I think for marketers and stuff, it's it's already just exploding. But for photographers, I see so many photographers with LinkedIn profiles that are just tragically underprepared. But my point is, and to kind of take Sharky's point, bake your own pie, meaning go create the content, go create good content, and then work with, uh, see if you can develop relationships. You know, Shar- uh, Colby, what do you, is that kind of online? And Sharky, also, I, of course, I want to give you a chance to speak uh, as well. I mean, I can't talk all, all podcast. What is, what's going on here? Um, 
No, I, I think I think you're on point, and I think what well, uh, two things I want to say, then I'll pass it off uh, to Sharky. Number one is I think that you're right. I mean, I think that I think that value in things such as LinkedIn is massive in the sense that it is again relationship building. It is it is communication with business entities and connecting with the right person to pitch ideas and products and services. That's why, as we've talked about before, it is probably my favorite social network and probably the most value, like financially, like fiscal numbers that I've actually generated for my businesses over the last 12, 13 12, 13 years now has come from LinkedIn. And that's from pitching ideas to the social media marketing person or the person head of PR. Like I knew who I, I could figure out who to connect to or who to send a cold email to if I wanted to pitch a campaign of some sort. So reiterate again, it's on that relationship um, aspect. And the one other thing I wanted to add is on uh, Sharky's point for baking your own pie. I think another aspect of this that is important to quickly discuss is that um, and it's not necessarily endemic just to social media, but it's this idea that other people's success does not equal your failure. So if you think about social media in a span or a space where everyone's carving up the same pie, it's easy to look at the, your neighbor that's getting more interaction rates or, or someone else as competition. The reality is, is that whether the pie is too large where it doesn't matter or we're actually literally baking our own pie, I personally feel that it is not about uh, this is not a competition like there are so many different avenues to make money and there are so many different great ways to collaborate creatively and build upon momentum with other people that I think that people that look at other photographers as as competition are already dropping the ball and are losing out on massive opportunities to connect with other professionals and expand and exacerbate their potential for what they can do and how they can reach new audiences. At the risk of going too long this episode and talking about pies and such is I get questions from a lot of people of should I create separate Instagram accounts for different genres? Because there's people that listen, you know, I used to be a photojournalist, right? And I know that one guy doesn't like it when I mention that what I used to do. <laughs> Sorry, guy. You know, it's like the Grand Tetons. I'm going to mention that too for a special oh, no. person. This is dedicated to Nicole Z. <laughs> Anyhow, is, you know, when you're a photojournalist, you're a jack of all trades and you're kind of a little bit of a master of all trades because you have to be. So that's why when you see when I put stuff up, so I've got sports photography, you're going to see portraiture for me. You're going to see a lot of stuff in 2018 is a lot of people want to know. And they ask me all the time, should I have a separate Instagram for my uh, landscape photography? Should I have a separate for my portraiture? Is that going to, how's that going to affect me if I want? want to work with a brand and also if I want to get business, et cetera, not super TLDR. Colby Brown. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is a challenging question to answer and generally one that doesn't have an answer that people like. The reality is, is that again, consistency is rewarded. So consistency is re rewarded with your followers as well as with companies that want to work with you. So if I'm trying, if I'm a big company and I want to hire Sharky you out to work with me on this campaign for a, let's say a, a lodge in, you know, in the woods somewhere and we're trying to create a marketing campaign. If the other half of your content on your stuff is like, you know, Baudelaire photography or photojournalism with, you know, go traveling to Africa, it's not necessarily on point. So. I think 
I think the answer really comes back down to is what do you want out of your social space? What do you want out of your Instagram account? If you want it to be a dumping ground for all of your interests in photography, then I'd say go for it. Who cares? But if you really want to work with companies, that consistency is generally rewarded, especially early on. And I think that's important to note is that it's not just um, it's not necessarily universal across the board. Like for me, for example, I am mostly known for big landscape, dramatic photography. I also love wildlife. I also do photojournalism. And because I've built up my following large enough now, even when I share that other content, I mean, get a little less interaction rates, but I still get it in front of a lot of people. But I've built up that following to get to the point where I can diversify what I'm sharing. I think for a lot of people early on, you're you're better off generally focusing on consistency with that content. And and it's 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 hard to sit there and say, hey, you should have five Instagram accounts. It's probably not really going to happen, or it's not going to be sustainable from a time standpoint. But I'd maybe pick one or two. Or the advice I gave another photographer, a friend of ours, Brian reached out, uh, Todd. Uh, who, who yep. you were working with. He mentioned he, he messaged me too about the, the same thing. Yeah, just like two days ago or yesterday yep. and was asking that same exact question. And essentially, I think what we came down to is the idea is that not every social network or social platform is great for uh, all the same content. So I told him maybe on Twitter or on Facebook, he can share different types of thing. And then on Instagram, maybe he can find content that is a little bit more connected. It doesn't necessarily have to be just his Urbex stuff or just, you know, weddings if he shot that or whatever it was. But whatever it was should have have some threads of connection uh, because otherwise your your viewers start to get confused and then again it's it's less maybe about that and more so about the algorithms because if i'm constantly sharing about iceland the place i've been like 25 times and all of a sudden i'm like humanitarian efforts in philippines the algorithm for instagram or facebook's like what is this do people want to see this we don't really know and so there's that to kind of contend with which um, doesn't make it easy be honest. No, I I mean I I can speak with with certainty in terms of, you know, for a long time, especially when I was in the Pacific Northwest, the majority of the photos that I'd share would be these these landscapey, long exposure coastline, waterfalls, uh, brooks and that kind of stuff. And when I would sprinkle in, let's say I visited my family in New York City and I sprinkled in some architecture stuff or uh, you know, even urbex to a lesser degree. I mean, the if you're if we're just simply going by the numbers and looking at engagement rates and and uh not just likes, which I would, which Sharky said earlier, what I call empty calorie stats, uh, but comments and stuff, just they plummet. And then actually it's easy to go downhill, going back uphill to get back to where I was, that actually takes uh, work. It's not like the next photo that I posted, which was um, a landscape one was back to normal. It actually, I got kind of docked for that. And then the, the, the last thing, and I, and I, I do want to be conscientious of time because poor Sharky is going to be run into the ground with editing this this uh, episode. But speaking about consistency and brand and stuff, so this was something that actually you know Colby and I a couple of days ago, maybe last week, you know we we started talking about Instagram stories. Instagram stories is like the thing right now. Um, they t- they took what what Snapchat spent years doing and they just annihilated them. But it is a, a really amazing a medium to share more. Uh, you know, whereas if you're going to share on Instagram, maybe once, maybe twice a day on on stories, you can share as often. So Colby saw what I was sharing. You know, we had this conversation and he shared some stuff that I poked fun at him about. But then he looked at my stuff and he's like, you know, how does this help anyone understand your brand and who you are? 
And so the first question I would say that I asked myself is like, okay, you know, let's look at this. And what you want to ask yourself is, do you want to be seen as a brand or do you want to be seen just as a guy who, or a girl who um, loves photography and just wants to use Instagram as a, as a platform to share, you know, Instagram stories rather to share just their quirky stuff, what's going on in their life. And for me, you know, I, I thought long and hard. I'm like, you know what? I'm self-employed. I'm a professional photographer. I need to make money off of my brand. And so I was like, yeah, Colby, all right. And so I, I, what I did was I really put focus, you know, on the stuff that I put in my IG stories with that are all brand related, meaning they have something to do with photography or the art of creation. Maybe I'm editing a video or I'm, you know, sharing something on, uh, you know, or talking about uh, Lightroom. And I did see Colby and I didn't have a chance, we didn't have a chance to talk about it yet. But yeah, the, the engagement actually got up in terms of the views and the comments, the responses, because in IG stories, you can respond to them unless you turn that option off. So I think if we close out, let's each uh, give one tip for photographers for 2018 to kind of consider those who are interested in growing as a brand, as you know, making something out of this, whether it's full-time or part-time. Sharky, you're first. <laughs> Just in general, we're not talking necessarily social media. No, I think, oh, well, I mean, I, I think for social media, I think would be important. Well, see, I always tell people, you know, join your local chamber of commerce, because if you're the only photographer that someone knows, you're going to get hired. And those are business leaders, etc. That's where you're going to get a lot of business from versus your stuff online. Most people are not going to get business from their social media unless, you know, here's OK. So here's the tip I always tell people with social media. When it came to me, you know, I started a photography podcast. So I thought, what do I need? I need people who listen to photography podcasts. So I followed the followers of other photography podcasters. And so what I always tell people is if you want to get business in your local area, follow, don't go follow the followers of Wells Fargo just because you have a Wells Fargo in your town. Follow the local, the followers of the local bakery, you know, your local handyman, whoever has a presence locally, though you will get your local audience right there built up. So if that's what you want, if you're trying to get work, you want people locally to hire you because Nike and such are they're probably not going to hire you. So that's what that's my tip right there. Can I extrapolate on that really quick and then do my tip? I get a cheat. Is that okay? Yes, you can. You can riff on mine. I think that um, I think that's actually a really awesome point because the because I have such a large following, I have a lot of people that reach out to me with questions, and I want to be as accessible as possible, as we talked about. So I constantly try to respond to everyone. And one of the questions I get asked a lot is, you know, how do you do this for a living? And especially when it comes to landscape photographers, people are always asking, like, how do I sell? Why aren't people buying my prints? And to extrapolate or add into Sharky's point, on social media, what typically happens is that you join a social platform, you connect with other people that you know that have shared common interests, which are generally other photographers. You build up that audience and all of a sudden, before you know it, you have this massive echo chamber of other photographers. Most of them all are trying to sell their own prints or do their own thing. And then you post out that you got some sort of 25% off sale to all of your photographer friends. And then you're disappointed when they don't want to buy your stuff because they're trying to sell their own things. So make sure that your audience or that the people that you're trying to reach are the right people. I can't stress that enough. Like if you're followed by other photographers, it works for me because I'm a photo educator. But if you're selling weddings or you're uh, um, you know, doing fine art prints, you need to make sure that your followers are the demographic that you need to go after. So excellent point, Sharky. I 100% agree. You need to know who you want to go after and make sure that they are part of the conversation that you're trying to have. In terms of my piece of advice, or can I go, you want me to go last or do you want to end it, Brian? I'll go now okay. because I also want to riff kind of on what Sharky said. And actually my point is kind of that riff in terms of, I think if you speak to any uh, marketing educator, professional, and I would consider absolutely all three of us in, in our own way, 
ways fall into that. But especially with Colby, like knowing who your audience is and what they are responding to is critical. And so like, for instance, I don't know how many people listening, you know, if they are interested in this, you know, whether they've even gone so far as to create a Facebook page as opposed to just using their Facebook profile. With a page, I, I, I take it that, all right, you've made the decision that you want to grow whatever the content is, which means now you have the opportunity to, to spend money and boost posts and create ads and whatnot. But there's this awesome thing. If you, if you are on your page and you go to the insights tab in the top, at the very bottom, there's a section called pages to watch. And I feel like this is so underutilized. Basically, what you can do is you can put in any page in Facebook within a certain number. And then it'll give you all this interesting data. And so if you want to say, do research or recon on what other photographers that you aspire to become like, or other brands that cater to, let's say you are fortunate enough to, like Colby and Chucky said, to know who your audience is. Well, then you don't look for other people who are replicating what you want to do. You look for what I would call kind of supplemental partners. And to me, Colby, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but one of the greatest things I love what Colby did here a few weeks ago, we were talking. So if you if you've never shot with Colby, Colby is a freak. He's got these big orangutan feet, and he never wears shoes. And in fact, we've gotten in trouble because of his <laughs> his predilection to flip flops or thongs, depending on what part of the world you're in. So what did what did Colby do? He actually, in terms of growing his brand, he he reached out to a a sandal company, right, Colby? Yeah, a, a shoe a shoe line. They do sandals. They specialize in sandals, but they also do shoes and other things. To me, that is what I'm talking about. What in terms of rounding out your brand and knowing, you know, because people know, people who follow Colby know <laughs> know about his shoe thing. His, it's just, it's ridiculous. I'm a version to and shoes, I'm, man. <laughs> I know, he loves his flip-flops. And so, you know, now he, it, it kind of, it fits well and it, it further grows the kind of story of what Colby's brand is. So what I, my tip here is to know your audience, but also kind of like figure out ways in which you can kind of grow and flesh it out because there's a, just saying I'm a landscape photographer only goes so far, you know, and, and I wish we had more time because I, I also wanted to talk about, uh, you know, whether infusing things like politics and religion, which Colby does in his personal profile, whether that's something that people should consider doing as well. But that's my thing. Uh, Colby, your turn. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to round it off with three quick. I'm going to cap them as one, but it's going to be three quick, quick pieces. It's going to be be humble, be honest and be consistent. You need to be humble because at this, you know, regardless of how many followers you have, whether it's 3 million or 10, people respect that. People respect that you are, you're, you're kind of who yourself. You're, you're not letting it get to your head. Um, you want to be approachable. I think it goes a long way. Be honest because at this day in the internet, um, people can see through facades. If you're trying to put on a show, it's not sustainable. If you're trying to fake it till you make it, it does not work in the long term. Be who you are. It not only will be easier for you to build your brand, you'll also be more passionate about it because it's actually who you are. And then be consistent. As we talked about, I want consistency in messaging. I want consistency in timing. I want consistency in general branding, regardless if you're doing this for a business or not. I want to be able to look at your Facebook profile or Twitter or wherever and get a sense of who you are, whether it's as an individual or as a photographer that's trying to, to create a living doing this. And that's kind of what we talked about, Brian, bringing it back full circle with your Instagram stories, where I was looking at his Instagram stories and I was like, what is this telling me? Why am I seeing this? And what value does it have to Brian to, to build up on? And once I brought it to his attention, he changed it. And now I look at him, I know exactly what I'm going to get when I follow his Instagram stories. I have it marked for notifications because it's something that I'm keen that I want to see. And I know that because he has been brand consistent. So those are my three pieces of advice to wrap up. Nice. 
Um, I'm going to do a bonus one, and this is just kind of like more of an action item because a lot of what we talked about here is um, poor Sharky <laughs> is is um, uh, very heady. But uh, in terms of a specific action item, one of the things that I would highly recommend, and actually this is kind of in a way indirectly how this show was born, was collaboration. So now, yes, what I mean by that is like try to find another photographer, someone even locally or or online and think of a project like some sort of a collaboration because having a set of one set of eyes one mind and everything is great but having two sets especially if you're like-minded and you kind of have that motivation can be even better and so i would recommend that like if you want a specific action item try to do one collaboration this quarter in the first quarter and see what that turns out to look like that idea came to me because this morning i saw a post i can't remember if it was on petapixel or one of the major blogs but basically these two photographers took out these ads on craigslist and they were totally on above water totally legit looking for people to photograph and they created this series together and it's a really great series just a portrait series so that's it <laughs> that's all I, got. I would at the at the expense of myself having to edit this later i would say be known for something yeah how many people do you know that are just they're not known for landscapes but they're known for oh i don't know shooting something that's adjacent to mormon row for instance <laughs> like the grand tetons maybe it's all you do i don't know you know be known be that guy look at for instance look at levi sim right mm -hmm. so how did he become really well known he did portraits that were like that famous steve jobs you know portrait shot sure. right and so you know him from that yeah i mean for him it was that thing was based on a derivative, but he did it with such a prolific tenacity with so many different people. Those people shared it. Those people made it their, their headshots that he, that's like it became a staple. So and now he as a result of that, he's sponsored by Panasonic. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. And Levi's a fantastic guy. So I want to know what's on your gear shelf. Is that where we're going with this, Brian? Is that where? Yeah, I was about to ask that question. No, I asked that question. You don't get to ask that. You did ask it. So should we be should we do ladies <laughs> first and let Colby go? Let's, let's let Colby go. Excellent. All right. So what's on my gear shelf? Now I was looking around. And I was trying to figure out what can I share? Should I do a camera? Should I do a lens? All that's been done here. Like you guys have already had covered most of that stuff. So um, both myself and Brian have a winter adventure coming up in two weeks. Uh, both of us are heading up to two weeks. Two weeks? Isn't it two weeks? No, from the date this airs, it, it will be three days late. I don't know when you're going to arrive. I might pick you up at the airport. We'll see. All right. Whenever we're there, essentially, um, we're going up to the Canadian Rockies. We're going to be doing a lot of work on like frozen lakes. And essentially, it's going to be super cold and it's going to be super icy. So my uh, piece that's on my gear shelf is actually micro spikes. You can, I'm going to dangle them here so you can kind of hear them. Kind of sounds like keys. Essentially, what they are is they're like slip on mini crampons, if I want to use that term um where it, they they essentially slip onto your boots and then they are these tiny little spikes that are maybe like less than a quarter of an inch and they allow you to easily walk on ice without slipping uh crampons themselves are usually like an inch and a half or bigger that's what i use when i'm doing big you know expeditions into glaciers and that's not what we're doing for this trip so things like micro spikes which you can get on amazon and all sorts of other places at your local shops are phenomenal they're not too expensive um and they'll definitely save your butt from slipping on the ice so yeah, I, I first got my micro spikes when Colby and I went to Iceland. That was my first trip in 2015 in the winter. And uh, re he recommended I get them. And like for anyone who plays like video games like Mario or Zelda or something, there's always a point where like Zelda, for example, Link would get these magnetic boots that would allow him to kind of walk. This is the same thing. It's like this power. I cannot believe how amazing these micro spikes worked. We were walking up uh, towards a waterfall and up this complete sheet of ice. And I was walking like it was just regular pavement. 
highly recommended. I've got mine packed for our trip. Um, and also, so my gear pick is uh, specifically, I got it for this trip as well. And it's this little thing called a tile. It's just like little little things to tile sport. And essentially what it is, it's a, a low power Bluetooth kind of radio. It's a small square and it, you pair it to, you register it and you pair it to your phone. And what I'm going to do is put this in my camera bag. And it's not so much I'm worried about any sort of uh, theft or anything, but when I do travel, it's nice to have an idea of where it is. But here's what's even cooler. Let's say I, let's say someone steals my bag and the tile's in there. I can go on the website, mark the tile as lost, and then anyone else in the community of tile users, and there are tons because these things are maybe 30 bucks. There are tons of these users. They will get notified if the tile is within their vicinity, and then I can get notified so it's just one of those cool things. Of course, if you're all within the same range, then you can bring up the app and it'll show you on a map specifically where that tile is. So, you know, they, they brand it for keys and wallets and stuff, but I'm using it. I'm just going to throw it into my camera bag and have it there. So wait a minute. I can't steal your bag then? You can. I'll just know. Oh, okay. <laughs> just know. Fair enough. Sharky. What's on my gear shelf, you ask? Well, first of all, there's also a competitor product to tile called Tracker. I think it's T-R-A-C-K-R. It's a similar thing and same thing with proximity to where your lost thing is. It'll alert you, et cetera. But it's funny. You mentioned unwittingly my pick this week, which is photo pills. And I mentioned that on episode, I think it was 243, the latest one in my podcast. It's a great app. I have not done astrophotography in forever. This is the app you want to get. But what I've used it for is, okay, so it's got night AR, augmented reality. I love it, augmented reality. VR can't stand it. You're not going to be in that in that world all day. It's just it's something you're going to use maybe for playing games, etc. But augmented reality, and we talked about this before, Yelp and stuff have had it, the little monocle thing. You hold it up, it shows you where in physical space the Milky Way is, where the galactic center is, etc. You can even look down, you'll see the sun is on the other side of the planet. So when you're planning your shoots and stuff and you want to know where something is, that'll tell you where it is at that moment. You can change the time, etc. There's a planner in there so you can see kind of like the photographer's ephemeris where you can see where you need to be at a certain location to get that moon or sun rising over the Grand Tetons. <laughs> and then there's just what I've used it for mostly in the past is there's an exposure calculator in there so you can find equivalents. So you want to, you know, that way I just I don't want to have to do any of the math. It'll do it for you. There's a depth of field calculator. So if you want to know what the hyperfocal distance is, so where you need to focus in your frame to get the most bang for the buck as far as your depth of field goes, etc. It'll calculate all that for you. It's like under 10 bucks or so. It's a great app. Yeah, and the uh, developer Raphael Pon is he's just a genuinely nice guy. I met him at Photo Plus and just unlike some of the other app developers in that space, you know, what you're seeing with Photo Pills, not just what they're how they're rapidly developing new features. When I look at companies like this, I look to see what they're doing on social and they, they do a really nice job with what they share on social media compared to other people and and that to me also, I think that's a great pick, Sharky. Not just that, is they're building out a community right, exactly. around the app. So they call them photo pillars, right? And so people are getting together in certain locations. They're shooting together. It's become, you know, kind of like a meet and greet kind of thing. And everyone, you know, helping each other out. And so I had Raphael open episode 243. That's why I made it my my pick here. And nice. he's a great he's a great guy. He's you couldn't he's just he's great. Excellent. Nice job. So I think, you know, this was a great episode. It might have something to do with Colby, but if I do say myself, I think we had a great episode here. I agree. 
It was wonderful. Yeah, Colby agrees, and I, and I agree too. It's definitely the longest episode we've done so far. But you know, I I, I easily we could have done twice as much. We could have done two hours on this topic, and maybe we can just uh, you know do this more regularly. Have kind of uh you know Colby back and talk about different topics because I do genuinely think a lot of our audience is very interested in this. So with that, first Colby, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys both rock. Happy to be on here. Cool. And why don't we uh, all go around the room and tell the audience where they can find us. So let's start with you, Colby. Sure. So uh, colbybrownphotography.com and then I'll keep it simple and just Colby Brown Photography on Instagram are probably the two easiest ways to find me these days. Excellent. Sharky? Awesome. You can, of course, find me at the Petapixel Photography Podcast, petapixel.com slash podcast. Look up the Petapixel Photography Podcast in your favorite podcatcher. And I'm Lens Shark everywhere in social media. And don't forget our very first sponsor, Gulf Photo Plus Photo Week 2018 coming up in early February. You can get 15% off and the code is no name Dubai. That'll be in the show notes. Which you can find at nonamephotoshow.com. Sharky, thank you for reminding me about that. And where can we find you, Mr. Matias? Well, you can find me. My website is matias.com, M-A-T-I-A-S-H. On social media, I'm pretty much at Brian Matias, B-R-I-A-N-M-A-T-I-A-S-H, everywhere. That actually does spawn a topic maybe that we can talk about another time with the three of us, uh, blogs versus social media. I think that's a very interesting topic. But with that, Sharky, should we clap it out? Let's do it. Are you ready, Colby? Are we doing a single clap or multiple claps? Or We're doing one clap. We're not going to be weird this episode. One, well, too late for that. <laughs> one, we're going to do one clap on three. You ready? Here we go. One, two. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> That's the, ta- the tagline for the show. <laughs> That's the whole darn show. We'll fix it in post. Whole bunch of stupid stuff happened and we fixed as much as we could in post. All right. Love you, brothers. Awesome, guys. Love you too. <laughs> Later. 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 <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. So how about we do this again in the next episode? Yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm.